Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. Welcome in, ladies and gentlemen, to the Pickaxe Pundits Show. I am Zach Mikosh with DenverStiffs.com. You are listening to Nothing But Net Radio, part of the Dash Radio Network. Make sure you're following us on Twitter at DenverStiffs, at MBN-Radio. I'm at Zach Mikosh. And then I got two guests here. One is at GMoneyNugs. That's Gordon Gross. The other one's at NBA Blackburn, that's Ryan Blackburn. I'll go to Gordon first. Gordon, what's happening in Colorado Springs? Not much, man. Just uh, hanging out for this and uh, basking in the last Nuggets win, waiting for the next one. There you go. So now Colorado Springs, CS, South Carolina, SC. Major connections going on here. Ryan, what's going on in South Carolina? Man, how long did it take you to come up with that one, bro? <laughs> that was... He's taking notes in the bathroom. Oh. Like, hang on, i got to put this on the show. <laughs> well, it's going okay. Line. It's it's going okay. I I kind of screwed up the first attempt at this podcast with some fried hardware on my computer, but uh, we're going strong now. We're good. It's a show, Ryan, not a podcast, man. Oh, just, that's that's right. <laughs> my bad. Oh, that's right. That's right. A little behind the scenes. Uh, see how the sausage is made. We uh, uh we had Ryan uh, recording earlier as we tried to get this show recorded and. Uh, well, it's uh, it worked out about as well as it does when you try and get him to come in at 2 p.m. to record. Enough said. So <laughs> Wow. Um, <laughs> I told you. I told you. You'll never live it down now. Uh, no, that's funny. You know, it, it's it's I, we we've all done it. I think I, I did it. I think I did. It was one of the first one of the first. We have not all I done it. Did. You have all done it that's to true. me. I show up on that's time. True. I am a grown ass man, and I can show perfect. up like when I am told to be here, <laughs> Mister Holier Than Thou over there. Come on now, <laughs> Gordon shows up on time, and he has yet to mess up a recording. He's uh, you were guys. It's a matter of time, though, my friend. So hard. It's a matter of time. Anyways, uh, this is this is going to be a fun pod, man. We got a ton of stuff to go over. See, I called it a podcast too, guy. This is going to be a fun off, show. <laughs> This is gonna be a fun show. We got a lot of stuff to talk about. Uh, of course, the Nuggets. The Nuggets beat the Thunder uh, in dramatic fashion on national TV just last Thursday. That is that is gonna probably eat up m- most of the first half of this show. I want to get into a lot of stuff, a lot of different angles on that show. Uh, then after that, we've got. I want to talk a little bit about Mason Plumley, who is uh, out with a calf strain now. 
Uh, it's going to be two to four weeks, according to Coach Malone. So talk a little bit about how that changes the Nuggets' uh, rotation and, and game plan. Uh, then we heard Malik Beasley, man, is, is the next latest guy in trade rumors coming out of the athletic for Michael Scotto saying Malik Beasley being made available in trades. Nuggets might be interested in Rodney Hood. So we'll talk a little on that. And then finally, the Warriors, the one and only, they're the team that the Nuggets will be playing tonight. So we will try and get in some predictions on how we think that game will go. Um, make sure you guys are also following us on Instagram at the Denver Stiffs and check us out on Facebook. We are uh, I'm going to be live down on the sideline here in about 30 minutes after this show ends. Uh, we will be doing we'll be doing a live Q and A during the Nuggets warm ups from the sideline. So if you guys want to check that out, you're going to have to follow us over on Facebook. All right. Let's get into it. Um, win against the Thunder. So there is, is, in my mind, there, there there's only one other game you could you could compare to this one in terms of which was the best win, uh, which was the game against the Golden State Warriors uh, when the Nuggets played in Golden State on a back to back. They just beat Portland in Portland, and then they came into Golden State, a game that everybody expected them to lose, and then they ended up getting out of there with a win, won it fairly uh, fairly handily, if I remember correctly. Ryan, is, is is this win over the Thunder better than that? Is this the best win so far this season for them? Well, I think you certainly have to rank those in the top three. Uh, the Portland game, then the Warriors game. Uh, but the Thunder, the Thunder game has to trump it. It had so many great moments during that game that it's it's really hard to pick your favorite. Like you have the Gary Harris buzzer beater, obviously, and that's that's probably going to be most people's favorite. Right. But you had Jamal Murray breaking Stephen Adams in half. Uh, yes. You had him going like going at him, Stephen Adams, Russell Westbrook, and Paul George down the stretch. That was amazing. Uh, you had Jokic just dropping dimes, going for that mean triple double. And above all, you got a, a huge, huge win against a division opponent and really solidified yourself as a team that can compete with these top teams. Right. I think, you know, one of the things I think is biggest about it, or biggest, uh, one of the things I thought was that was the really the best about it or, or was maybe the, the biggest moment was that it was on national TV and it was Jamal Murray and Gary Harris and Nicole Jokic leading the charge. And it wasn't a Will Barton game. Um, it wasn't a Wilson Chandler game. It was, it was the, the three guys who were making up this young core of this team and, and the three guys that, that, that the Nuggets are trying to tell the whole league, Hey, this is kind of, this is, this is our foundation. Uh, and they came out and they played and they all played exquisitely. They all had big moments. And, and, and so for that, like I said, I don't know if I'd rank it the best win, but it's certainly it's certainly probably the biggest win of the year um, for them. Gordon, what about you? Do you think do you think it was the best win for the of the season for them? I'm with you. I, I think it was the biggest. Um, I you can call it best. I mean, it was because it's the home crowd. It was certainly uh, the other two that we were talking about, Portland and Golden State, were road games. Uh, right. but this was so. This one got the home crowd flavor. It had you know everybody cheering for the Nuggets. Um, but really, what I love about this game, uh, you have Jamal Murray, who's a fan of of meditation, and I just, 
when you are taught to meditate, when you're taught to visualize as a as a sports player um, by sports psychologists, they talk to you about visualization and how important it is, and how you can find a moment, find that place where you where you performed your best under pressure, under the spotlight, and you try to replicate that. And this game was that, like you said, for everybody in the core, for Jokic and his passing and his scoring. He's throwing down dunks. You know, he's hitting threes. He's throwing dimes everywhere. He's grabbing rebounds. Jokic was everywhere tonight. Um, Murray was, you know, he's Hulk posing in front of the sideline and, you know, throwing blue arrows everywhere. And, you know, uh, Gary Harris had a great game and then punctuated it with uh, Chris Dempsey was talking to him about his last walk off being in high school. So, you know, it, yeah. these are those games for you where you look at it and you say, that's how we want to play. Those are those are the players that we want to be when we're in our prime. We want to do this every other game. Like, you know, every second right. game should be this and we should be out there just blowing people off the court. Now, of course, you have to defend at some point. But besides that, mm. offensively, this was perfect. This was exactly what you want to see. And so I, I love this for setting the tone for how this team plays together. You know, Malone gave gave Jokic the reins to the team again about what, like, what ten days ago, when he said, "I'm going to stop yeah. calling so many plays," and all of a sudden the Nuggets are blowing up again like they did last December fifteenth. So right. this is how you want them to remember how to play because the Nuggets forget this all the time, and I think that's partly because other people are getting signal interference in on them. You know, Malone's admitted it, and so at least this way you say, "Guys, do that." That is how you play, and that's and I, so for that, I think it's the the biggest win of the year to set the tone for the last, you know, uh, what two two and a half months of the or season. Thirty, yeah, yeah, thirty or so games. Yeah, that's a good point, man. That is a very good point. The um, it's you. I I have a hard time believing. Like, all right, this is it. They're gonna be you know they they turn the table. And this this thing. I is struggle gonna, with that too. This, yeah. Right, this well-oiled machine is suddenly gonna just start pumping out basketball wins. It. Yeah, but that happened last year. But, I didn't believe it then either. So. It's very true. It's very true. It's just oh, they've, they've struggled mightily at points. But I want to believe it. And and when you see it happen, like you saw it uh, against the Thunder. Man, it's it, it's a fun it's a fun team to watch, even if they do end up giving up a hundred. But it happened all week, in. man. Like I mean, this was the whole. That's week. true. It's true. It was a whole week of playoff and games, it, and I love that. I, I mean, I wish they would have won more than one of them, but they were right there right. against some of the best teams in the league, and they threw down with all of them. And it was their third game in four nights. They could have come out with low energy. They could have quit. They could have done whatever, you know. And they showed I think up. Their next their next major step is to take these games. And to apply the same level of intensity and focus onto yep. worse competition, like the Kings, like Charlotte, yeah, because taking taking care of business is so important in the NBA. And Matt Moore yep. talks about this all the time about your win loss profile as a team. Great teams take care of business. You're absolutely right. Absolutely, the great teams they win the games they're supposed to win against the worst teams, and you can drop games against the other great teams every now and then, and that's okay. But right. Overall, you take care of business, and the Nuggets obviously are still learning how to do that based off of the number of wins. Like, it's an innumerable amount of, of how many times they've dropped a game against a team that they shouldn't have. We keep they talking about learning. the biggest. Yeah, we keep talking about the biggest wins, man. And you can point to like a half dozen worst win, worst losses, like half dozen right. games that they easily that you're pointing at and you're like, that's a terrible loss. This is a horrible loss. So yeah, Ryan, like that, not taking care of business against those teams is just as damning as this is exciting show up like this against the kings and you don't have to play four quarters 
Yeah, and I I believe I and I'll I'll let you go, Zach. But I I believe that this team is turning a corner. But in order to sustain that, and in order to kind of confirm that, I really do think that their bones will be shown after this tough run. Like when right. when when it's all said and done, and you've gone five hundred against this stretch, and everybody's impressed, and then the momentum starts to shift the other way and if you drop a couple of games that you shouldn't drop and then you're you can't gain any momentum that's the problem the it's not a problem if you're losing games against san antonio and boston by a combined three points nobody cares like honestly well i wouldn't say nobody cares but uh well michael malone cares yeah 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 that's true uh, you know what's interesting though? Is you, you point out like, okay, so they're going to get through this this rough stretch, and it's rough, right? They got Golden State, they got Houston, they get San Antonio again, they got the Bucks, they got San Antonio for a third time, they get Houston again. I mean, it's it's one team after another, hit after hit after hit uh, through the month of February. But honestly, when does it when does it not when does it stop? Because when you look at it, March, yeah, they they maybe are playing. Uh, some easier competition. It's they got all a lot of good games, teams man. in there as well, and yeah. it's all road. Yeah, it's all yeah. road games. They well, they got like a seven game road trip to yep. finish out the month, which is nuts. And on that seven game road trip, they got the Thunder, the Raptors, the Wizards. The, I mean, the 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 Sixers. They, there's there's at least four quality teams on there, and none of the other teams are all that. I mean, you know, Memphis, Miami, and Chicago. I mean, Chicago's not doing anything this year, but. Uh, well, I don't know. Teams that don't Memphis do anything keep beating up the, the Nuggets all year, man. Like, <laughs> right, right. And then playing in Miami is always tough. Yeah, like, that's another nightlife city. Reason. Yep, <laughs> right. absolutely. Us at Los Angeles, they got they got a they got a game against the, in in LA against the Lakers that month. It's tough, man. I, I I don't know when it gets easier on these guys, honestly, because then you're in April, and guess what? You're you're at the uh, the end of the season, and you've got two games against the Timberwolves. You got a game against another game against the Bucks, yep. and uh, you've got the Blazers, the Clippers, and the Pacers. Yeah, here's the, the thing: yeah, the right wrap up is terrible. Yeah, go ahead, Ryan. If if the Nuggets defeat the L.A. nightlife and the Miami nightlife, I will guarantee <laughs> that they are a seven seater better. <laughs> That's guarantee. Way, that is all it takes. This is this is these are like Ryan's inside betting tips. That's right. right. Yeah, because the problem is like the team can the team is playing fine even without Millsap, and but they can still miss the playoffs. Like there are even with some of the injuries and even some of the problems that the Pelicans are having, and you know and uh, the Clippers doing the Clippers, whatever, the Clippers whatever doing they're doing, and the Utah it's, doing whatever they're doing, like. The Nuggets still don't necessarily control their own destiny on this thing. Not with the way hey, that don't they worry, play. Though. The Clippers are going to compete with their young core. Of, so. yeah. <laughs> Austin Rivers, the young core player. <laughs> yeah, who who is it even part of this young core with the Clippers? I don't, I haven't paid enough attention to the Clippers this year. But I Cinderius Thornwell, guy. baby. Patrick Beverly. There you go. No. I was like... Because you know Beverly, right? Beverly's out, and he's a vet. Young core player, and man. Young Gallo core. out. He's a vet. Uh, Teodosic is he's a rookie, but he's like a what a thirty-one year old rookie. Like right. There's, they, yeah, I don't know. They're they're so late in the process on rebuilding, but they are starting. This, they this they're, they're, they're saying they don't want to. They say they don't want to rebuild. They're no. like, nah, we're fine. Well, that's that's what as, they say. As a guy from Colorado, I, I've one hundred percent figured this out. It, they. It's no coincidence 
California just very recently legalized recreational marijuana. Clearly, uh, the the Clippers management has been partaking, and that's why that's what this is all stemming from. Well, the yeah, only insights on the web as strong as that one come from the pickaxe pundit show. <laughs> that is it. This is man. Uh, you guys, are, you guys are getting next level stuff here. Let me tell you. Um, all right, I'm, let's just bring it back on focus onto this Thunder game. So we, we were talking about this big three and the and the Nuggets and and uh, the or essentially their three young guys making this core. And and I thought it was really interesting to see those guys essentially outplay what everybody would consider a legitimate big three in Russell Westbrook, Paul George, and Carmelo Anthony. Um, as a combined unit, obviously right. Paul George and, he, and Westbrook both had pretty big nights, but Melo did not. Uh, Ryan, I mean, is this is this a big three that that, that is is developing here for the Nuggets? Is are these are is Jokic, Murray, and Harris this a group of guys who they can basically say, okay, we if we bi- just build around those three, and we add complementary pieces to those three, that is something that can take us. You know, I mean, I guess ultimately to the finals and be into a championship. Well, I think Warriors aside, I think yes. I think that that's that's in a normal universe, that would be a big three that you can truly build around and say, hey, if we find the the ideal pieces to surround these guys and to make things work, then yeah, absolutely. Unfortunately, we live in a universe where the Warriors exist and you're going up right. against four all-stars every night and two of maybe the top 10 players of all time when it's all said and done, in my opinion. And maybe three if they get LeBron. So <laughs> Yeah. Um, <laughs> that, to me, okay, on an aside, that's all about Dan Gilbert, all of it. He is, he is just sending right. jaded shots at Dan Gilbert and saying, hey, fix this team. Or else, right. and and trade this Brooklyn pick, or else I will leave. That is all that is. He's probably gone. I think he's gone, no matter what. I do too. <laughs> um, it, back on topic, um, Gordon. I just let me get your opinion on that. What do you think about this? Uh, about this, this quote unquote big three that the Nuggets could build, in, and and how far can it take them? I. I still think in the modern era you have to know how to at least play some kind of defense if you're not going to run top 10 players out there. Um, And right now, the Nuggets don't know how to do that. I mean, obviously their best defensive player is out, which is Millsap, but Millsap's also not a core player because he's, you know, into his decline phase or at least, you know, approaching it. And so you run into trouble... If you're only going with all offensive guys, it would remind me of, like, uh, if the Trailblazers had Jokic instead of Nurkic. Or does that make right. the Trailblazers a title contender? Probably. Uh, it, it probably does. Like, you would think that it would. Um, but it, the Nuggets are going to be in that position because they're going to have, if you just assume that, I mean, Will Barton compared um, Murray to Dame already. To Damian Lillard, right. you know, uh, so if you have your Dame and you have your CJ McCollum, um, that's two great guards. There's not a problem with that. What are you doing with the rest of your team? And can you pay them if you're going to max out your guards? Um, so, and your guards don't play enough defense. You know, I, I know that Gary Harris definitely is committed on the defensive end, but the Nuggets don't stop anybody. Right. 
So, well, at least they don't without... Um, I, I shouldn't say that. They've had plenty of games this year where they've had guys score under 100 points on them. Um, and they have been decent, but most of that was with Millsap early. And Plumlee. And I'd, Plumlee I'd, argue that the, I'd argue that the defense that you're requiring for a championship contender is not currently present on the Nuggets roster. And that's my and problem. And we'll just go yeah, with that. Absolutely. Is that you have, a core, you have a core of three offensive players, one who's an absolute perfect fit next to Jokic, and one who is like a, you know, freaking flamethrower on offense when he gets it going. Um, and then right. you have Jokic, who's a, you know, wunderkind at being an offensive mastermind and plays the kind of ball that's very hard to stop because nobody knows how to do that against the center yet. Um, but they don't right. have that defensive guy. They don't have that Jimmy Butler who, who plays a lot of defense. They don't have a guy to head up that squad who's not Millsap. But again, Millsap's going to be gone in a couple of years. What are you? How are you building your team? So yes, I think that building a big three around those guys will take them very far. I'm not sure that it takes them all the way to a title unless they find a missing piece somewhere for cheap. If you find your Draymond Green in the draft, yeah, absolutely, okay, go go get it done. Right. Um, but you got to do that. Right. Yeah. They're they're almost. In a, I mean, if you look at a, I, big threes or whatever you want to call them. Um, championship cores, I guess. There's, there's always, they're always really good defenders. I mean, you look at the yeah. Warriors. Clay Thompson is a really good defender. Draymond Green is on the obviously one of the best defenders in the league. Kevin Durant is, is a very good defender. Even even Steph Curry, uh, who's he's not not great, but he's he's decent. You know, uh, you go back through time, and you can go all the way back to you look, you go all the way back to the Bulls in the '90s. I mean, Michael Jordan, Scottie Pippen, Dennis Rodman. That that was their big three. Those guys were all phenomenal. Phenomenal defenders. Yeah. So, if if you're not, I mean, I don't necessarily think okay that, that it can't be done. Um, if 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 neither Murray Harris or Jokic is a phenomenal defender, but it means that those other two guys on the court have to be phenomenal, like have to be top yes. notch guys. Which is why Millsap Millsap is a great guy to slide into that power forward spot. He fits that role perfectly, and Absolutely. he doesn't. He gives you something on offense, you know. If they could get a guy, and so really it comes down to, I mean, at least now, and then and then they'll have to figure out how they replace Millsap because I mean, we're not going to get into Trey Lyles in this pod, but I don't think he he's that going to give you that kind of defense. But it really comes down to the, they've got to find that that small forward wing defender who is just the flat of the Jimmy Butler. I mean, the lockdown. Uh, he's playing in Toronto. One hundred percent. We're going to put him on the guy. Th- th- basically, everything they want Wilson Chandler to be. OG uh, Ananobi. He's playing honestly. in Toronto. Just get training for him. It'll be fine. <laughs> <laughs> Gordon's like, just move on. You know on. the the player that the player that comes to mind uh, when we talk about guys like that is Andre Iguodala, uh, right? Or at least yeah, the the Warriors version of Andre yep. Iguodala. Somebody and and maybe not this this year because he's kind of fallen off a little bit. But uh, but somebody like that who can play the two, can play the three, is versatile enough to take on the best defensive, the hardest defensive matchup every night. Can still and score. Somebody, He's not a black hole. Yeah, Can still score, but is but also knows his role and, right. and knows that, hey, you are probably the fifth option on offense if you're on the court because of the player, the kind of players that we have and be okay with that. Right. Uh, Will Barton is not that archetype, uh, and that's okay. That's okay. He's right. He's a different kind of player. But in my opinion, it's one of the reasons why I don't necessarily see Will Barton as the long-term fit on this roster, because that sixth man, in my opinion, that needs to be a two-way guy. It can't just be somebody who 
is an offensive only guy because when you when right. you when you get into that and you start getting into the playoffs and you realize oh wow we we are only going to play eight guys so the the other guys that we need outside of Murray Harris and Jokic they all have to be able to play a modicum of defense right right yeah it's almost like you know um, they you you kind of kind of can let Will Barton go because You've got you. I feel like if you can stagger Murray and Jokic because Harris Harris is a very good offensive player as well. But I think Gary Harris is still a guy who I, I don't necessarily want him to be my number one option on offense at any time. I think he's a great number two uh, option on offense. A great guy who who hits shots when he's wide open when other people create them for him. Um, Jokic and Murray, however, are very capable of creating their own shot or creating shots for others. Jokic especially. Uh, so if you can stagger those two guys, and you've got Trey Lyles in fold as well, because Trey gives you that of uh, he's like essentially your your poor man's number two scoring option, right? I mean, he's not gonna again another guy who's not gonna create a ton for himself or for others, but if you can create for him, he's gonna make those shots. Uh, so you don't necessarily need, I think, the the prototypical six man Jamal Crawford, Will Barton. Um, Lou Williams type of guy who's just basically all offense, and, you know, off the bench. If if I think I I would agree. I think if you can get a guy who's a two way guy, who's another guy who could be maybe a secondary kind of option. Who again, not going to create for himself, but will knock down the shots when they're made for him. Um, I think he would be just fine. I uh, I don't know though. I mean, we 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 say this and like, but it's like, I, man, those guys they're they're so hard to find. Uh, in the NBA nowadays, it's, well, two way, and there and there's so there's so much there. There's a premium on them. Yeah, I mean, think about a guy like Joe Ingles, right? That guy would have got like you know a mid level exception um, ten years ago. Now he would got what like fifteen million. I mean, and he's worth it. Yeah. And, right, exactly. Like teams are getting smarter, and they're realizing like what 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 works, what really works. Um, and they're and they're placing values on uh, premiums on these types of guys. So it's 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 you know it's exactly what the Nuggets need. But man, it's it's tough to find. All right, I tell you what, I want to I want to wrap up the Thunder game because we keep we keep getting sidetracked. But which What's is fine. Week, he was uh, yeah. <laughs> whatever, whatever. I'm not taking the fall for this entire thing. Okay, Ryan totally messed up recording the first quarter of the show. <laughs> Wowza. <laughs> it's just going to be that all the time. Um, we got to talk about Russell Westbrook and the shoving the fan thing. If, if you don't know what I'm talking about, I mean, we've been talking about this Thunder game. You should probably go watch it uh, because you obviously didn't watch because this happened right at the end of the game. So obviously Gary Harris hits the buzzer beater, hits the dagger. Um, and a fan, a Denver Nuggets fan, or, or at least the person posing as a Denver Nuggets fan. Uh, we won't give him enough credit to say he's an actual fan. He he comes up basically, I mean, he comes out onto the court. I mean, not like out into the middle of the court. He's over by the bench by where the, the Thunder are at. But he comes, rocks right up, I mean, I mean, within a foot of Westbrook. And, you know, obviously the fan's really excited about it. It's a high emotional moment for everyone. And But, you know, he, so he's just like, he like screams in, in, in excitement. And he's right in Westbrook's face. And Westbrook just reaches out and, I mean, he shoves the guy. Uh there's a lot of ways to look at that because in one way, like Russell Westbrook, Westbrook just put his hands on a fan. You cannot do that in the NBA. Like ever since Ron Artest went up into yeah, the stands, you can. 
Like, I, I, I don't necessarily disagree, but I'm just saying from the, the, the viewpoint of the commissioner of the NBA, that is like that is a sacred rule and has been ever since the Malice in the Palace. Like, yeah, but they went into the stands for that, man. Like, he didn't go into the stands. A fan came onto the court. If a fan comes onto the court, much like if a, if a fan runs onto a football field and you tackle them, that's fine because they came onto the field and you don't know what they're trying to do. Don't you think though? Like, so what if what if he had thrown a haymaker though and connected? Like, I'd have been what fine if, with that what too. What if Russell Westbrook straight up, you know, did the Nikola Mirotic move? Uh, and, right, but and, now and, you're and, asking me like he didn't do that. So he it's he, true, he but the I'm guy saying, and he backed him up. Like he didn't do anything. And, and, and let me let me let me clarify. Like I'm totally with you. Like I don't. I mean, I I guess I'll say this. I think he's going to get fined. Um, and it'll probably be a small fine, but I think he's going to get fined because I think the NBA is not going to just let it stand. Because, like I said, I think it is a a sacred rule. Like no matter, even though the fan came on the court, I think that in the eyes of the NBA, that you no matter what, you can never touch a fan in any malicious sort of way. No, I think uh, they I think they said today that they were going to not fine or that they, he was not going to be punished, and the fan was banned from the NBA for life, basically. Let's see, really. I see. I hadn't heard that. So, I mean, that that's that I. That's surprising uh, that they would do that. But I, uh, I, but I, I think I, that they're back in a player. The right call. You can't. You cannot. You cannot tell players that they cannot defend themselves if somebody gets off of their courtside seat and comes at them. You know, and Russell didn't punch nobody. Russell was like, "Look, I." Right. He, he, you know, took him by the man boob and backed him up a couple feet. <laughs> you know, but. uh that's that's all you can do. Like the fact that Russell didn't lay him out at that point, when there's some crazy person screaming in his face when he turns around, like uh, he has more restraint than me. I would have been in trouble that's in that true. situation because you don't know what that guy's doing. So uh, if you're gonna come on the court, you get what you get. That is, it's, that would be like telling me that if somebody, you know, we've had incidents in in sports already. You've had Monica Sellers get stabbed in a tennis match. You had. You know, uh, people brought somebody brought out like a pipe bomb onto a onto a uh, like a a court. You've had people in soccer have issues. Like, uh, yeah, well, <laughs> baseball baseball fans jumped out of the stands and beat up a uh, was a third base coach. You know, ten years ago or whatever. Right. Like, you don't know what they're doing. They're drunk, and you have no idea what's about to happen. So, if somebody comes on the court, I don't think the NBA should be finding anybody for, you know, especially if they're not taking haymakers and blowing their heads off. Like, if you if right. you just shove some guy, you feel free to shove that guy. He's not supposed to be there anyway. Ryan, what are your thoughts on this? Here's, here's the thing. People are stupid. Yep. And this this was probably the best way to control that sort of stupid. You you don't endanger the sport of basketball by banning this fan for life. Uh, what the Malice at the Palace did was that that really endangered the sport of basketball and its image. Uh, that was that was so so vulgar and completely insane. And one of the things where somebody could have died. Yep. And that. Like if somebody had died, that like we may not be having basketball now. Like it or or things may be completely different. We may be playing basketball in a cage. And that right. would be completely completely insane. But at this point, I think the NBA is handling it the right way. That fan had no business being on the court and that fan will be justly punished for it. Uh Russell Westbrook is not gonna get any 
he's not going to get any discipline, nor do I think he should. Uh, the fan came up to him, and Westbrook handled it in that end-of-game situation, I think as well as you probably could have probably expected anybody to yeah. handle it. Like, how... If you if you just lost the game because you left your man and he hit a buzzer beater in your face, like, and then a fan runs up to you and is like bragging all about it, it would not surprise me if any of us threw a haymaker either. Uh, That's very true. As as it as it stands, Russell Westbrook, one of the most emotional players and one of the most like I wouldn't say violent, but like we'll say explosive personalities that we've ever seen. Uh, he had he had a lot of restraint there, and I do give him credit for that. And I think that the NBA is handling it the right way. Russell had Westbrook handled it the right way, and we should just move on. Honestly. All right. Yeah, I'm with you. I'm with you. I, I didn't know. Like I said, I didn't know that that that, uh, that ruling had come down. But you guys are right, and there will be no discipline uh, for Russell, and I, and I think which I think the is the right call. call yeah. Like I said, yeah, I, I agree. I, like I, it, I thought the fan was out of line. Uh, 100%. I, and I, and I, I'm, I'm at pleasantly surprised because I thought they would, I thought they would have fined him just because of, uh, you know, kind of like I said, that golden rule. Um, all right. You know what? We were going to talk about Mason Plumley, but we talked a lot about Mason Plumley and, and Nicole Jokic, and I feel like we're just going to end up down that road anyways. Uh, you really want to talk Plumlee about this line. Golden State game, don't you? I see how this goes. Oh, I do. I... Love I, and I'm I'm a slave to my rundown, and it says you know we had a first half and a second half, and Mason Plumley was supposed to be part of the first half, so Mason Plumley gets cut uh, from the show, not from the Nuggets. We're not Look, breaking here's, the news. Here's here's my ten my show. ten seconds on Mason Plumley is that if Paul Millsap comes back before him, then the rotation that the Nuggets should have going into the rest of the season is Jokic at the five, Millsap at the four, and Lyles is the hybrid big. That's it. Boom! That was that was actually about ten seconds too. That was nice. And Boy, I will tell you, you that's not, that, that's on, on not going to happen because it's uh, Malone, <laughs> and he loves Mason Plumlee's grit and grind. But again, um, I think that currently this keeps Jokic where he's supposed to be, and that's the most important part. And they'll figure out the defense as they go. He's gonna. Here's what he's gonna do. He's gonna bring Millsap back. He's gonna have Jokic or Plumlee on the bench. Uh, he will sub Jokic out, I believe, at the five-minute mark uh, right. for Plumley, And then he will bring Jokic back in at, like, about the two-and-a-half, three-minute mark uh, and let Millsap sit down. And then in the second quarter, I believe, I think he goes somewhere early in the second quarter, he goes back to Millsap uh, with Jokic. So I think I, th- I think you're still going to see it. You'll still see the uh, – Three or so minutes each half, probably a total about six minutes a game of that Jokic Plumley, and that's, that's disappointing. Fire. Like I can survive six minutes of that. Yeah, it's six minutes. It's it's only six minutes, Ryan. You so, can live. No, the the Plumley the Plumley Jokic thing is not the thing. I I am disappointed that Trey Lyles, after playing as well as he did in Paul Millsap's place, is about to go back to the bench and play zero minutes. Oh uh, no, he'll play minutes. They'll find it because they, well, well, they better. I mean, uh, we, they, they, they I mean, they will. It was Courtney days. They could always trade him. They're going to do something. What they're going to end up doing is is they're going to you're going to see some small forward. Uh, I think changes, and I think uh, trade Will Barton might end up being being your starting small forward for the rest of the year, and Trey Lyles ends up playing a lot. They of better minutes. not do that unless they um, find a bench player who can like run a point man. Well, yeah, yeah, I agree on that. But we got to take a break, and then we you can, we can get that. into the yeah, trade. Yeah, you go take line. a break. <laughs> 
All right, we're gonna do that. We're gonna take a break and we're gonna be right back. Hey everybody, I wanna tell you about the charity drive we got going on right now at Denver Stiffs. We teamed up with the Denver Nuggets, Hope Kids Colorado, and Hoopswag.com for a really cool event, and I think you guys will love it. Here's the deal. Over on our site right now, in the bottom right corner, you'll find a link where you can buy your own custom Denver Stiff socks made by Hoopswag. They're 15 bucks a pair, and every pair you buy will also buy a ticket to an upcoming Denver Nuggets game for one of the children sponsored by Hope Kids. Hope Kids provides ongoing events, activities, and a powerful, unique support community for families who have a child with cancer or other life-threatening conditions. They surround those remarkable children and their families with the message that hope can be a powerful medicine. It's a great cause, and hey, if you like to run around barefoot like a hobbit, that's okay. There's also a link on the site where you can donate directly to help us bring as many kids and their families to the, one of these Denver Nuggets games. So check it out denverstiffs.com and thanks so much for your generosity as far back as he cares to remember he used to see his old man lose the temper and mama's pretty face to catch it all on a regular basis the nest would fall but he was always safe from dad's rage because mama sacrificing his place two dozen years of the blood sweat tears avoid the mirror losing her hair from all right everybody welcome back into the pickaxe pundit show i am zach mikosh you are listening to nothing but net radio i'm with gordon gross and ryan blackburn and we are all with denverstiffs.com we spent pretty much the entire first half of the show talking about that thunder game because what a game it was you know we didn't even really talk that much about gary harris's buzzer beater we didn't like really get into the final play uh which uh, the inbounds play or anything like like we, we could have still we could have ended up making this entire podcast just a thunder nuggets it's okay yeah. like like russell westbrook we were too busy trying to collect our triple double <laughs> Yes. Uh, see, I want to get into that. I wonder. Uh, I, I, I don't. I don't think he was actually standing under there trying to get that last rebound. But it was kind of funny uh, to see that. Anyway, so I want to spend the second part of this show um, primarily just talking about the trade deadline because this will be the last show we'll be able to uh, do before the trade deadline. When we talk to you guys next week, it will be post trade deadline, which will be, uh, I'm sure, our show. Hopefully, hopefully, our entire show will be about. Uh, trade de- post trade deadline stuff. So I guess I'll probably even mix up our lineup here because uh, I, I do want to get into this for quite a bit. Um, let's start with though, though the rumor that just came out, which is that the, this came from Michael Scotto of the Athletic. Um, he's out of New York, uh, so take that into consideration about where maybe he's his getting the the information from, or at least who's leaking it, which organizations. Uh, but anyways, he said that the, the Nuggets. Uh, you know, league sources are telling him that the Nuggets are making Malik Beasley available. Uh, they also might be interested in getting into the uh, race for Rodney Hood, which I didn't even know there was a race for Rodney Hood, but apparently there is. Let's start with Rodney Hood, I guess, since we, we, we talked a lot in the first show kind of about about how you build around Gary Harris, Jamal Murray, and Nikola Jokic. So I'll go over to you first, Gordon. Uh, I mean, is would you look at Rodney Hood as one of those guys who could be – a, a a a fit or a, a piece that you can plug in with Murray Harris and Jokic, and that's that's kind of like part of your your core and your your plan going forward. Uh, he's a free agent after this year, right? 
He is, restricted. Yes. He would be a restricted, so you would have well, control. But. Since the Nuggets don't you'd have take advantage him. of that, and they don't actually put anybody over a barrel when they have control of that situation, um, I don't know that you can afford to pay him uh, before you find out. Right. Um, because my problem is you're going to be paying Rodney Hood a certain amount of money that he's worth on the free market without knowing if he's worth that amount of money to you. Which is what the Nuggets right. just did with Plumley, which is why Plumley is making too much money for his actual theoretical role on this team if everyone is healthy. Um, right. So I have I have concerns about that. I'm not really sold on on Hood's ability to be that huge defender, two way player that we were yeah. talking about that they need next to those guys. But I, Rodney's a good player. Don't get me wrong. You know, uh, but Will Barton's a good player too, and I'm still not sure that he's the right fit for what they're doing. The Nuggets have a very, very important task now. They've added assets for, you know, what, three or four years at this point. Um, but they never sell those assets when they're high. They only sell them when they're low. And they, so they never cash in correctly. And they, they have, now that they have their core, which they have figured out, and they, to be fair, they bet on. Like, they bet that Murray was going to be this and that Gary Harris was going to be this. And they kept them for that reason. Um, next to Jokic. Uh, but right. now you really, really have to be sure about your fit before you go throwing, you know, um, eight-figure salaries and multi-year deals around to guys who've barely been here and haven't yet adjusted. Because there's going to be an adjustment to playing with Jokic. Like, it's nothing that anybody ever does. Paul Millsap, who's been in the league forever, was like, this is the strangest thing I've ever had to play around. <laughs> I have never seen anything like this. This is really weird. Now, I'm paraphrasing him, obviously. But he was, you know, he wasn't exactly um, hitting the ground running in the first part of this season. So I don't expect anybody they bring in at the trade deadline to be able to figure it out um, immediately either. Right. So you're you're guessing. At that point, you're guessing on fit. And I'm not sure that you can do that when you're going to mess up your salary cap with that. But I know Ryan has ideas on that, too. Right, I do. Ryan, let, no, let me I... hear your thoughts on, on that. Let me, let me give you my thoughts on Hood first. Yeah. Uh, I don't know if he's the starting small forward of the future in in any scenario with Denver. Uh, and obviously that's putting the cart before the horse here because you have to trade certain pieces and you don't know what it's going to look like. But in my opinion, he fits better as a 25 per minute guy off the bench with a guy with a team like Denver because he can at, when the game start or when the game starts, he's on the bench. He hit the six minute mark he comes in at the three and he plays some three and then with the bench unit he helps run the bench unit at the two next to a facilitating point guard which is what the nuggets need off the bench and so it may be kind of a two-part thing that they end up doing but i see a guy in rodney hood he attempts seven three-pointers a game and hits 38 percent of them and that puts him, like, regardless of the rest of his game, that puts him in an elite class of shooter. Yeah, you're right. And right. and when you can add a shooter like that that can play a different position than your other guys, then there is a certain value in that, especially because he still has more to add to his game. He's only 25 years old. Like, this is right. a guy who you could have team control over for another three to four years. And, and if you can get him on a reasonable contract, then maybe he is worth the gamble. Uh, go ahead. What's going on with him, though, man? I mean, why hasn't he? Because he's he's outright or he's not playing. No, right? he. So I mean, he's he's, he's, uh, he's got a, he's got a contusion. Okay, he's he's been injured, but 
when you when you have Donovan Mitchell and you have Joe Ingles, Joe Ingles isn't really large enough to play the four, and neither is Rodney Hood, obviously. And Donovan Mitchell, they don't feel, is ready to handle permanent point guard duties, so they have uh, Ricky Rubio there. So Rodney Hood's been kind of pushed to the bench because he just doesn't fit as well with those other guys, and that's okay. He doesn't fit well with those guys. I do think that he would fit better in Denver, but it's no guarantee, and you may have to pay up the ass for it, and that's fine. We'll, we'll just have right. to see. He's kind of almost like a poor man's auto porter when you look at it. He's not, he doesn't, you know, he, he not quite as a f- good of a three point shooter, not, doesn't quite bring the, the defense uh, that Porter does, but, but he still, he, he gives you little bits of that. I mean, like you said, he, he is a good shooter. Don't get me wrong. He's definitely a good three point shooter. Um, but he just doesn't give you that kind of defensive uh, intensity. I, I, I don't even know. Right. He's just. He just hasn't been ever been a great defender. He's always, you know, another guy who's like you feel like, yeah, he could be all right. He could be a decent defender, but you you never gonna look at him and be like, and hey, this guy and, and with a guy like that, you're probably not expecting it either. Uh, he right. to me, he he kind of reminds me of Alan Crabb. Uh, we'll we'll just have to see what happens with with Rodney Hood, but I think as we've seen with Utah before, they've been pretty aggressive around the trade deadlines. And around draft time, going on too. Uh, I mean, and, well, Joe Johnson is also saying he'll... any any interest, Ryan, in Joe Johnson? Uh no, because we have Trey Lyles to play the four, and and Joe Johnson just doesn't really play the three anymore. He could play the. Th- I mean, he he can, it's, but it's, you, do you really want him to? Do you really want him to? It's not a bad. I mean, if you end up moving Wilson Chandler, that it's not yeah. a bad. If you think Wilson Chandler moves slow, like Joe Johnson is molasses, bro. <laughs> Gordon, what about you, man? Any any Joe Johnson interest? Um, is it nineteen ninety nine again? Did that happen? <laughs> Joe Johnson did not play in nineteen ninety nine. But it would be awesome if he did. Joe Johnson. <laughs> the answer is no, man. Oh. I I don't. Again, this team is being aimed very specifically at. You know, three years from now. So anybody were – I'm not interested in messing up salary and blocking young players who could be getting time, even if that just makes them worth more in trade later if we need to right. move them. No, let the kids play. Like, why am I blocking them off with Joe Johnson who has no effect on this team three years from now anyway? That's true. So let me ask you this, though, then. So, I mean, are you all right with a, a young player who's kind of somewhat been blocked – uh, and has been waiting his turn, but when he's been on the court, has looked good. And Malik Beasley, are you okay with the Nuggets uh, parting ways with him? And I, and I guess what would it what what would it take for you to be okay with parting ways with Malik Beasley? Getting back a point guard who's going to be here for multiple years who can run the bench. That's fine. Yeah. Um. That's the need that they have. Like I like Malik Beasley. I I've been a I've been a Malik Beasley stand since we drafted him. One hundred percent true. I I think he's a, a really good bench player, and I think he will be in the league for a very long time if somebody gives him his shot. I don't know that the Nuggets are necessarily trying to move him, but I think there are a lot of people around the league who are curious about his potential in the same way that they were curious about Will Barton when he was blocked off right. in Portland. So I think that that may be an outside-of-the-org push instead of an inside-of-the-org push to see what would happen with a the guy they're curious about. But if you're going to move Will Barton at the end of the year because you can't re-sign him, then you want Beasley around 
because he can fill that role. So not of the point guard, but be, but Barton shouldn't be that way anyway. You're looking for a guy who can hit threes uh, and Beasley can play a little defense, which, as we all know, gets you on the court with Malone, except, of course, Malone Beasley hasn't been on the court that much. So who can really say what gets you on the court with Malone? Uh, here's here's the thing. If if Beasley was three inches taller and 20 pounds yep. heavier, he would be perfect. <laughs> yep. And right. unfortunately, the Nuggets are – they're knee deep in six foot four guys, and they yep. need six foot seven guys. They and that's do. it. I agree with you, yep. but I'm just saying you don't quit that's on that really guy uh, unless he's going to bring you something. Like there's no reason to trade him for nothing. So you'd have to hope he's bringing you back a piece that you can use, like a six foot seven guy. You know, if you're trading right. him to Detroit for uh, for Stanley, maybe that works. Like yeah, I don't know, but the, you have there are options out there. I'm not against trading Malik Beasley, but I am against trading him for no reason. And then replacing him with some vet who's not going to help you like that. Those are the things you don't need to be doing. Ryan, would you generally agree that that's kind of what it's going to take? Like, I mean, you you at least got to get something back uh, or that that you can use right now and in the future. Like, you right, would you be of the, of the idea like they're not going to trade Malik Beasley for an expiring contract? Like, it needs to be something that's actually going to be part of the future. Ah. Uh. I don't know. It kind of depends on the guy. Like, I mean, if you if you can tell me that, hey, you, you can get Tyreek Evans for Malik Beasley straight up, then I'd be hard oh, yeah, pressed. Right. I'd be hard pressed to not do that because I don't think Malik Beasley is a part of the future on this Nuggets team, and Tyreek Evans could be. So yeah, but again, that's still something that you're planning on for the future. Like, you're not yeah, trading yeah, him for so. like Jameer Nelson, who's gonna not play for you later. Like, no, yeah. you know, uh, so the question is, would you trade him for like Devin Harris, who could help you to the playoffs this year? But is Devin Harris a part of the future? Like, that's what you have I, to figure out. I would not trade him for Devin Harris. Right. I, I would trade Moutier for Devin really, Harris. I would not I trade. That, I would not trade Malik Beasley for Devin Harris. Would you guys, I, I don't know if Tyreek Evans is part would be part of the Nuggets future, though, either. I mean, he's probably going to he's trying to try and obviously leverage this season into, into making big money. Deal. Yep. Right, and I don't, I don't know if the Nuggets like to me. That's why I think that's kind of where I would, I guess, is where I kind of draw the line with trading Malik is because he's on a decent deal. Like, yeah, he's a little bit buried right now, and yeah, he's not necessarily the perfect fit. But there are ways for him to get minutes off the bench. Specifically, with not re-signing Will Barton would be the probably the the number one way to do that. Right. Um, but like so that's that's where I, I kind of draw the line. Like I don't know that I necessarily. I mean I would because it's Tyreek Evans and Tyreek Evans right now today is a much better player than than Malik Beasley is, and that's no knock on Malik. It's just Tyreek's had a really great year. But even then, like it's hard for me to give him up for any expiring deal because it's like I, I just don't see the Nuggets being even on guys like that they would have on their team. I just don't see them being very active in the offseason in terms of them, handing out cash. I can see them moving Malik in a in a, a multiplayer deal to get back a player that they really need. And that's fine. He's a sweetener, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah. Well, because he hasn't played enough, but he's really interesting. And maybe he does. Maybe that means you don't have to throw in your first-round pick with for something. Right, you know? right. And, and so that's what you're, you're looking for is that Malik has, has proven that he should get some minutes in this league. He's just not getting them for you. Um, right. because you happen to have like three ridiculous guards on your team. Um, I I agree that Beasley is the perfect sweetener. 
Yeah. I I am hard pressed to think that he could get something by himself. Right. Unless you're throwing in like a first round pick. And I, I don't think that they do Beasley in a first for somebody. No. That's that's just that's hard to give up future wise. Right, right. No, I would agree. Let me ask you this, Ryan. Is there is there any other deal that you, you'd like to see them go after or or make? Is there is there any deal you've got your eye on, I guess, for this trade deadline? Well, We've we've kind of kicked around the idea of Jay Crowder in in our group right. chats, and I think that he's definitely a guy that you can see suiting up in a Nuggets uniform and playing thirty minutes a game in a playoff series. Like that's the kind fifth of fifth role. That they that's need, the right? kind of guy that you could say, "Hey, he, you are our fifth starter, and if you hit your threes, then holy cow, this we could actually upset somebody." Uh, beyond that, it's it's really hard to get a picture. I think backup point guard is certainly their their main right. focus and if they could bring in a guy like spencer dinwiddie then that would be amazing if they could bring in a guy like darren collison who they are also rumored for apparently then that would be amazing though he's in the middle of a playoff push with indiana um beyond that toronto has two young point guards in uh delon wright and fred Van fleet but both of those guys i think are important for their future uh in orlando right. alfred payton is somebody I would keep an eye on because they really need to make a change there. And I think that Alfred Payton would be really, really good off the bench in Denver. He'd have to come off the bench. Oh, he would be off the bench 100%. Yeah, I just, I don't, I sometimes feel like if you're Alfred Payton, Emmanuel Moutier, and... Right, but 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 one of those guys plays defense and one of those guys can actually find guys on assists. Like, like Alfred Payton is one of the best passers in the NBA, in my opinion. Wow, I think Ryan's finally coming in with the hot takes here. I was going to say, Gordon, that's, what, that's a bold what statement. What about you? The, the, problem, the problem with Alfred Payton is that he doesn't have any guy that can make shots around him. Like, his best shot maker is Evan Fournier. He also can't make shots for himself. So Correct. And so that <laughs> he's, he's Ricky Rubio, right? but he's cheaper, and he's younger, and he's going to be coming off the bench. And he plays defense, which Gordon, we, they need. Yeah, I hear you. What's up? I'll just say real quick, man. You got is there any deal that you want to see them do? Uh, man, I try not to get invested in the trade deadline because every time I get invested in the trade <laughs> deadline, the Nuggets are like, "We traded a second round pick for somebody you don't care about," and I'm like, "Oh, Roy Hibbert, baby." Or they're like, "Hey, Roy we Hibbert. threw away a first round Ooh. pick to go add a guy who's not going to be a good fit at center. How do you feel about that?" Mason Plumlee. <laughs> so yeah, yeah, I'm not there. I'm trying not to invest myself in this trade deadline. So I'll tell you how I feel about it when it's done. You have me on next week, and we will talk all you want about the trade deadline. I am all there for you. Fair enough. We'll see. We'll see. I don't know. I don't want to get fired. Yeah. Um, it'll, it'll depend on how the deadline goes. <laughs> <laughs> all right. I, uh, I I promised we were going to get to the Warriors. I said we were going to do it, and I, damn it, we're going to do it. Um, Ryan, real quick, man, because we're about we got about two minutes left. Uh, who do you got? What do you see happening tonight? I think the Nuggets win. Oh man! See, you I save the hottest takes for the end. It's it's honestly, man, it's not that hot. This podcast is like a drug for Ryan. He starts off slow, and then by the end, he's like <laughs> on top of the skyscraper, naked, he's like howling out mood. on takes. Yeah, seriously. I'm, but but for real, like the Nuggets have played the Warriors close every single game. Uh, they won a game. True. Uh, the Warriors are. In their mid February, mid or their January, February kind of time, where 
they could drop a game at Denver, like, because who really, really cares in the end? Like, this, this could be a situation, in my opinion, where the Nuggets come out off of a hot streak and they just keep shooting. They they keep going, and Jokic has a great matchup against Zaza Pachulia, and he, he Draymond Green struggles to guard him. And I I honestly think that if if there if there's any time to really prove who you are as a team, it's coming off of the end of this insane four game stretch that they had against San Antonio, Boston, Oklahoma City, and then if you wrap it up with a win against Golden State, then holy cow, that that really puts you on the map, and I think that they're really eyeballing that. I see, and I go. Gordon, what about you? What do you think? I. I the Golden State keeps running into the Nuggets and keeps getting hammered, and I don't know that I. I don't think it's a matchup problem. I think it's a, the the Nuggets don't get taken seriously by the by the Warriors problem, and I think they're about to take us seriously. So yeah, I'm not expecting that. Maybe the Nuggets were going to do what they keep doing, and they keep shooting hot against Golden State, and it doesn't matter who's in. They're all like hitting th- threes and you know killing it at a basket and. Maybe that actually happens, but I still think at some point the Warriors are going to be like, look, man, this is ridiculous. Like, you aren't even our little brother. You're like our baby nephew, and I'm going to need you to knock this off, and they're going to put us in our place. So put us in timeout. Yeah, I think that's about to happen, but we'll see. Like, I would love it to be Ryan's version. That would be quite the statement since Golden State just watched us on national television and is not sleeping on us anymore. You guys remember quickly when Jokic put up back-to-back triple doubles last year? against yep. Chicago and Milwaukee. Right. Yep. Uh, I think he does it again. All right. Boom. Hot fire take. I, uh, I'm i going to go with Gordon. I think they, they're going to drop this one. I don't think they're prepared uh, or that they won't be mentally prepared coming off that high, off that Thunder game. I think Learning how to come uh, back after a, a win like that, yes, I think it's going to be tough. I agree. Right. Against a worse team, maybe against the Warriors, though. I think they're going to get buried. All right, we are we are out of time. So, uh, like I said, uh, you're gonna follow us on Twitter at Denver Stiffs at MBN Dash Radio. Uh, make sure you're following us over on Facebook. I'm about to head down to the court and do the warm up Q and A live uh, from the sidelines. You can only see that on Facebook. Follow us over there uh, on Instagram at the Denver Stiffs. Uh, Gordon has decided to open up with his very first hip hop album. It's all about growing weed, making that cheddar. You'll find him on Twitter at G Money Nugs. (laughs) Ryan is trying to take his team manager skills from the NCAA to the pro level. So he is at NBA Blackburn. I am at Zach Nikos. Nothing special about me. Ryan, Gordon, appreciate you guys being on. Thanks for having me, man. Yep. All right, everybody, we will talk to you next week.
It's time to get serious about California's failing infrastructure. More than 1,600 bridges are structurally deficient. Proposition 6 will make things even worse. Prop 6 eliminates more than $5 billion annually in dedicated transportation funding. And 6 kills local traffic relief projects already underway. That's why the California Professional Firefighters and California Association of Highway Patrolmen all say no on 6. Paid for by no on Prop 6. Stop the attack on bridge and road safety. Sponsored by business, labor, local governments, and transportation advocates. Committee major funding from California Alliance for Jobs.